Okay, thanks everybody and welcome back to this uh, Aimpoint podcast. Um, today we're going to do something a little bit different. We've we've brought along Ben Shepard, um, who's ex uh, a veteran now working in the cybersecurity industry, um, and we're going to ask you ask him a range of questions about his journey and um, some questions around the cyber cyber industry and how, how to be involved there. Um, and yeah, we're looking looking forward to it. So, uh, Ben, did you want to share a little bit about your your background? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, look, I'm still a, a current active reservist in the Air Force. Um, did about 13 years full-time service and, um, yeah, as you correctly pointed out, uh, very active in, in the cybersecurity and the technology field. So very excited to be involved today. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. Um, well, just going straight into it. So um, transitioning from the military uh, to civilian life can obviously be challenging. We've talked about it in our, our previous um, podcast and my, my own experience. Um, what were some of the key challenges you faced during your transition and how did you help? Uh, how did you overcome those? Yeah, look, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting topic, that, that transition from military to, to civilian life. And look, to be, to be perfectly honest, I really struggled with it. Um, for the first six weeks after getting out of uniform, like I got out in the height of COVID in 2020. So it was mm. very lonely. Um, for the first six weeks, it was glorious, right? Like a Rafi growing a beard at the time was just next level. Mm. You know, I, I never thought that would, that would happen. It was glorious. Hey, you've still got it. Yeah, of course. Come on. Got to hide up some of this. Um, <laughs> But I found that after six weeks, after the the gloss had worn off, it was really lonely. I'd come from an organization where I knew where the next paycheck was coming from, how to work the system, what a different rank meant, and I was I was really sort of lost. Um, the way I overcame that was, you know, very open communication with those around me, both in professional and personal lives, talking about it, and to be honest, seeing a counselor as well. Um, you know, it, it is a big jump, and and people often downplay how significant it is to to take the uniform off and and, and transition. Um, but yeah, leaning on on those networks that you build both in uniform and out was really important for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something that we talk about in our other podcast was around building those new networks. Um, you know, when you leave. Obviously, when you're in uniform, whether it's on courses or you know deployments or whatever, you build those networks and you rely on them for everything that you're doing. Um, we found, you know, I found myself, I pretty much had to restart from scratch um, on, on the outside. I mean, did you find that as well? Yeah, 100%. Um, so it's quite interesting because I find a lot of civilian employers go, well, you're ex-defense, you must have a little black book full of contacts that you can lean on and grow my business. But the reality is that's just not it. That's not not the case. Mm. And um, it took me quite a while to go from, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Flight Lieutenant Shepard to I'm Ben or, or Shep, you know, and um, moving from I did this in uniform to I'm currently doing this in civilian life. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a full rebrand of, 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 of who I was. So, you know, it's, it's, we talk about those challenges and, and you know, how do you overcome that? You stay true to yourself and understanding your values and sticking true to those and, and, and growing those networks and being proud of who you are is a, is a really key sort of element to succeeding in that transition. Yeah, and look, if I if I you know uh, when I look at you as well, I think one of the best things that you do is um, your profile on LinkedIn and the way you communicate with everybody. I mean, we were just um, myself this week was communicating with you via LinkedIn and your post where you're doing some 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 work with the local gym, uh, you know, um, doing some personal training stuff as well. And you know, like, ha have you found tools like that that have been helpful in making you make that? build those new networks yeah it's um that's that's really interesting it's because linkedin for me is one of those tools it's a double-edged sword right excuse the cliche but um i see a lot of people who use it to 
uh, promote themselves or to you know, call it suck up to their boss or, or, or something like that. I found that posts like that get a certain amount of traction, but people seem to respond to me being real and raw and honest and saying, look, you know, sometimes things aren't working for me. Sometimes um, the career takes a bit of a deviation. Sometimes you've got to dig deep and find those tools. And, you know, recently when I, when I looked, said that I was, I was looking for different work, the amount of responses that came through were overwhelming. And, you know, I, I was getting feedback and, and people coming out of the woodwork trying, you know, offering to help. Yeah. I didn't even realize that I'd made such an impact. So, um, yeah, LinkedIn is phenomenal, but, you know, for me, the, 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 the caveat is, you know, you've got to be willing to risk who you are and, and have snarky comments made and have people mm-hmm. shoot you down. It is social media after all. Yeah. It's just with a different flavor. So you're going to get internet warriors no matter where you are. Um, and for me, taking that risk on myself and being vulnerable and being honest in my persona on social media has, you know, helped me sort of develop my, my my brand in in the industry. Yeah, look, and I think um, you know certainly something we learned ourselves was you know you can have a, a social media presence and etc. But sometimes it's taking those networks that you're now starting to make and those links um, and taking them off into the real world to say you know hey let's uh, you, you like my post or you know you like my my discussion point let's catch up for a coffee next time I'm in Brisbane or Canberra or Adelaide um, and let's chat further and you build those those networks even further. Have you found found that or, or what yeah. are your tips for for that? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Look. Once again, I just like the post being real and raw and honest. I see a lot of people will post something and then they'll never follow up. So, you know, look at me, I'm doing great things. And you think there's 50 comments and not a single response. Um, because I look at all the comments that people make on my post and because I take the time to respond, like I'd go to a Milsis or an Indo pack and people are like, hey, Shep, we saw your post on LinkedIn. Yeah, like that, that's cool. Let's catch up. Cool. Oh, yeah, you commented on that. That was cool. That was really, really nice to meet you in person. So you're exactly right, right? It's It's this... The value of the relationship is just paramount in 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 defence industry in particular, where reputation is everything. And um, you know, as soon as you go, oh yeah, cool, good, good, good to meet you, whatever, move on. It almost creates, it almost burns a bridge before you've even built it. Mm. So, as I said, that integrity and that authenticity in who you are and your willingness to interact with people and take a risk on them really does make a big difference in in, in this day and age. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I I found when I first left, one of the things sort of ingrained in me really was that sort of uh, you you sort of lock yourself off to your 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 group of mm. friends or other veterans and etc. Um, I wasn't open to exploring new networks as much, um, and <clears throat> I sort of um. You know, like I saw a meme the other day, actually, it's the best describes it, where everybody's talking to each other and they're like, spot the veteran and they're sitting there quietly at the table, yeah, yeah. you know, just just by themselves. Um, but, you know, so I sort of found myself that I had to sort of grow out of that when I when I left. It's about sometimes being the first person to go talk to somebody, not wait for them to speak to you, which isn't something that you're ingrained to do when you're in defence. Um, uh, <clears throat> and then you know trying to organize other times to catch up with them even if you don't think it's going to lead to anything going and having that coffee and one of the things you know we just received you know a uh, an invite to participate in some potential work with a with somebody who I have been sort of just catching up with with no intention other than to sort of try and grow my network a little bit mm. and they ring me up out of the blue and say 
Mark, training, I need some help with some training stuff. Can you can you come along to this, you know, potential opportunity with us? And, you know, so we get we get that um, you know, now do you like how did how did you? I mean, I don't think it's natural for defence people when they come out for that yeah. networking outside. How did you find that, or how did you get yourself over that that little hurdle? Yeah, look, it's it's a really good point, right? Like, and and it's it's almost in, ingrained in the service life of you know, army hates everybody else, and and, and air force <laughs> hates everybody else, and even inside air force, the air crew don't like the ground crew. Like, <laughs> it's a professional respect and and that that yeah. banter, but it does like you can pick military people at a party because they're the ones talking about what they do in their day job. Yep. And and that's the common thread. So I've, I've always believed that um, a well-rounded person can have conversations about something other than what they do at work, hmm. right? So, so I try to take that mindset into what I do in my day-to-day job, right? And so for me, you know, I've been, I've been out of full-time service for uh, nearly four years now. And the best advice I can give is listen. You know, listen to people. Listen if they've not been in uniform. Listen to their story. Listen to to what excites them, and try and learn and talk to that. Because you know, military people are great at talking about what they've done in defence and what they who they are in the uniform. But most people are just interested in who you are as a person and what you're bringing to the table and and what makes what excites you. And you know, people marching up and down the square. If that's what excites you, you're not going to be the most fun at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can talk about you know the footy or or, or or a sport or study or something that really drives you, people get excited by that. And the more enthusiasm and passion you show for that, the more people are going to get behind that message and and want to connect with you over those common threads. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, I I think for myself as well, like you know, it, you just you touched on and hit on that point perfectly. You know. You know, defense personnel really proud of their work and what they do, and they want to talk about you. Want to talk about your role, and when you leave, you sort of you sort of lose that, and you want to talk about something great that you're doing. When it comes to networking, you sort of want to start to become inquisitive, like you said, around the person. What interests them? What are they doing? And when you ask those questions of people, I find people people get interested about what you're doing, and and so forth. And then I think the next bit is always trying to think how can I assist this person with mm-hmm. something even if it's make a connection for them with somebody yep. um when you're in uniform obviously that might be uh, sorry when you've just left uniform that might be hey I, I I know the people that sort of operate that sort of capability that you you know that you're, you're you're developing a new concept for you know um you know potentially I can help explain where some benefits might be um you know to the end user mm-hmm. to, you know type thing um and so, so really finding out about the person makes them feel good and they, they want to then help you more. Um, and then also sort of, I've always found as well, the next thing as well, when you're, you're meeting with people is always a bit of an ask as well, mm-hmm. whether that's, Hey, do you know anybody that, you know, mm-hmm. might be of interest to me to meet and et cetera. When you ask somebody, once you've created that relationship, people are pretty willing to, to give that as well. So I've always mm-hmm. found. You know, you can upscale your network by always doing a bit of an ask. You know, you meet one person, they might have three other connections that they can connect you to. Yeah. Um, and that's the power of networking that that veterans can tap into. 100%. And look, I, um, I, I completely agree. And look, there's a couple of factors to that, right? So first of all, we call it the good bloke factor or, 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 mm. or good chick factor. So better, better way of saying is your data integrity, right? So if somebody goes, hey, look, 
Mark's coming around again. He's just a leech. All he does is ask for things and he comes in with his hand out. People aren't going to help you. Whereas if you've shown that give and take in a relationship and, you know, when if, if you have those networks and you're constantly thinking about how can I help somebody, that's such a change of mindset. And that's one of the, you know, my roles have always involved business development since getting out of uniform mm. because I'm a big fan of leadership by servitude. And for yep. me, it's also business development by servitude. So instead of sprouting about how great I am, Hmm. I always want to know what's bugging you. What's the issue that you're facing? What's keeping you up at night? And can I help? And if I can't help, do I know somebody who can? Yeah. And I find so. So the other point to that is is look, I've I've been around defence industry networking nights for a long time. Really cool functions, you know, hmm. free events, non branded, really cool. If you just roll up to one of those things and you you're just hoping to you know to have have the miraculous relationship it just doesn't work because people don't know who you are and you know it, it takes a lot of confidence just to be walking into a bunch of people who already know each other and go g'day i'm shep how's it going whereas if you have got a relationship with somebody you go hey i'll meet you at those defense industry networking drinks yeah yeah now all of a sudden you've, you've increased your footprint yeah. and somebody will go hey i know mark and, and then they interrupt the conversation you get to know them so it almost that that Networking happens by osmosis. It's a really healthy way of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And what I find as well is that, you know, like Australia is a small place, you know, we're in Adelaide, so Adelaide's an even smaller place. Correct. If you, if you, if you take that example of what you said, go along with somebody that you know that, that might be interested as well. And I guarantee you go to that event, they'll know someone or you'll know somebody sure. and then it will spread off. That person will be like, oh, we're just talking with this other group of, you know, uh, guys or girls from, you know, company X and, and it just starts to sprout off from there. And I find that's how you build networks um, by by doing exactly what you sort of said. And then following it up, always following it up. You've got to, you've got to be willing to follow it up on social media or catching up for a coffee later, even if it's not going to end somewhere. Yep. You never know what's going to happen that next day. They might put you in contact with somebody that is an amazing person that links you up with everything that you need yeah. uh, in life. Um so well, with that said, um, I might come back to the topic of uh, cybersecurity. So transitioning from, um, uh, you know, from the defense, and I think maybe you might have already been in it when you were in, in, in defense, but yeah, yeah. what sort of motivated you to pursue a career in cybersecurity after leaving defense? And are there any specific experiences or skills um, that you found were helpful yeah. um, in getting into that industry? Yep. Um Killer question, right? Um, and yeah, you're right. So my background in uniform, I initially started as a logistics officer, moving boxes around the world in support of the P3 Orion fleet. No, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely <laughs> right. Boxes don't talk back, right? Um, and then I got sick of the aircrew taking my aircraft and breaking them and then blaming me. So um, if you can't beat them, join them. So I became a, a, a Navcon and then a TACO on the P3s and got to fly the platform that I'd supported for a while. And literally my journey on cybersecurity, into cybersecurity was down to one man who was the CEO of the newly formed joint cyber unit at the time. Yep. He picked up a random phone call one day, picked up the phone and said, Shep, um, yeah, look, uh, newly formed cyber unit, I need somebody who can talk support, i.e. logistics, and operations, i.e. flying. I'll teach you cyber. That's not hard. But I need you. I, I, would you consider coming to work for me next year? And I said, sir, absolutely. Let me chat to the, the Minister for War and Finance and, <laughs> and, and let me get back to you. And he's going, Shep, you're not picking up what I'm putting down, mate. I'll see you on in January the 14th. Yes, sir, I'll be there. You know? so, so I fell into cyber. And um, look, honestly, I fell in love with it the minute that I got into it. Because look, I, I say this with the most love I can possibly say, but it's so full of nerds that 
love ones and zeros and love the way that things work, but they've lost that operation or they haven't ever been exposed to the operational outcomes. So going to a cyber unit that had a capability focus and being able to support teams to deliver outcomes to a maneuver commander, that was really, really cool. And so when all roads led to my discharge, believe it or not, I actually didn't go into a cyber-related job at all. Mm. I went into managing mission systems and managing staff, business development, all the rest of it because of my navigator background. Mm. So now we fast forward, you know, 12 months and I saw the CEO of my company was, she was, you know, uh, doing an amazing job with the resources that she had, but she didn't talk cyber. Whereas Mm. I, I had the master's degree in cyber by that stage and I asked for the reins of the cyber team and graciously she handed them over to me. And we managed to start hitting some success. So from there it went on. Um, so there's two, two stories out there, two elements for that. And the first one is the biggest skill I can recommend for anybody in cybersecurity is learn how to communicate hmm. and learn how to talk to a client that doesn't care about cyber, doesn't understand it, just like anything else, right? Like, you know, we, we, we look at a, a CEO of a company and they've got to deal with, you know, payroll and, you know, tax and HR and finances in and out and delivery of capability. Investors. And Correct. You know, the whole gamut of e- everything. Exactly. So, you know, security is just a single issue zealot. So being able to talk in a language that they understand is absolutely critical. So I guess, I guess the other way of saying this is, yeah, look, I've got the master of cybersecurity and CISM and all the rest of it. And I've got all the acronyms, but I'm a solutions guy. Cyber is just the realm in which I, I operate, but mm. I'm about delivering a solution to somebody who needs it. Now that's a, it's a really key differentiator in the way you approach your business. Yeah. And I, I, look, I think there's a couple of things in what you said, Dan. Probably the first thing that, that struck me was the similarities to what we were saying in our earlier podcasts around, you know, sometimes the first year out of, out of defense, you know, working out, out, out in civilian world. You know, you think that's the the place that you're going to land, the job that you're going to land in. But like myself, it it's just the it's just the twelve month landing pad to work out what you really want to do. And I think one of the key lessons is, you know, don't don't worry if you you get out into a job and it's not what you want to do because mm. this the similar story for other successful people that have gone through the process is, you know, it's just twelve months. Mm. You'll find out where you want to be and then you'll make the next move, which is which is the right one for you. And and that's 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 normal. It's okay to have that. Um, you know, I think I think the other thing that I'm I'm picking up as well, which is interesting because I just came out of a phone call with another company talking about um qualifications and you know, yes, you've got the you know the cyber qualifications and et cetera behind you. They're all things that you can sort of you can pick up, but it's really about the transferable things. It doesn't matter whether you're a cyber person, a logistics, a, an engineer, a project manager. There's some core things that people need to learn how to do: mm. communicate effectively. And if you can, um, if you can share whatever it is that you're doing with with people in all different walks of life that you need to have for that state for for what you're doing or your stakeholders well then you're going to be successful so learning how to communicate is is um, a really positive one being flexible i think is you know another thing i just picked up from you as well and being flexible to adapt to opportunities as they arise i mean in our journey we were f- we sort of f- you know, we're flexible and going, okay, well, this isn't really where we want to end up, but, you know, let's look at some other things and have some other tries or some other opportunities. It's exactly what you just did. You yeah, went yeah. and said, give me an opportunity of doing yeah. that. Um, 
you know, so I think there's some pretty cool, pretty cool things. And the other things, you know, like formal qualifications and stuff, you can pick those up. You can pick up those, those lessons as you go through. Yeah. Um, you know, if someone wants to be in cybersecurity, you know, make sure that you've got the communication skills and the flexibility and willingness to go out and sell yourself and start a network in the, com- yeah. in the, in that cyber area and you'll pick up the skills, um, you know, the formal qualifications. Yeah. Look, absolutely. So, so look to, to, to your point, right? I heard somebody say the other day, the grass is greener where you water it, right? And so, you know, sometimes you might be down the wrong career path for you, but you still might be building some cool relationships. You've got a great network that's being developed around you. Um, so that that's what is really important is to make, you know, make every experience a positive one and learn from them because if you don't win, you learn, right? Mm. Um, and the other one about the qualifications, absolutely, right? Like in cyber, which is a technical field, just like engineering, um, it's you need to have a qualification behind you because yeah, that proves your authenticity and integrity. Yep. But you're exactly right. Like I know people who've got all the qualifications under the sun, but they can't stick at a job for more than six months because people get you know upset with them or frustrated with them because they just can't communicate. So mm. it's a it's a beautiful balance of those soft and interpersonal skills that you need to be a succeeder. Sorry, need to succeed. Um, vice the te- technical skills that you need to be able to deliver those outcomes. Now, look, if you don't have those interpersonal skills, the key then is to understand that and go, you know what? I'm not great at peopling. They People suck. I don't want to talk to them. I want to go and sit in a basement and script and code and develop and all that sort of stuff, yeah, yeah. but be very clear in that. Yeah. And once you say, look, I'm not, I'm not great at peopling, but I'm bloody brilliant at writing code, cool, there is a career pathway for you. But it doesn't mean you're ever going to go into CISO land or CEO land. You're going to go down into senior cyber, you know, pen tester or, or, or programmer sort of land. And you've got to be comfortable with that decision. Yeah, look, and I, I, th- I think that's excellent, right? Like, you know, we promote, uh, you know, communication and things like that. But there are people that really just want to do that sort of like basement work. I mean, and I, I, as an example, and it's quite funny, my local council gave us a parking fine the other day. And and when I tried to communicate with the parking inspector, they're not great at communicating. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, yeah, yeah. and clearly when you you look at this guy, he, he has no intention on wanting to speak to us. He just wants to put a sticker on and Correct. run back to his little office and yep. ride away. And and in, in my personal opinion, you know, his experience, expressing a deep down desire to want to, you know, get back at those people that communicate. <laughs> um, but but for, me, for me, when I look at him, I'm like, that's the perfect job for you because Correct. that's your personality type and you like it. So Absolutely. understanding your personality type is exactly what, um, you know, is, is a really important thing for people, um, mm. understanding what what best fits you. And Correct. there's lots of organisations that, that will help you, you know, do that on your way out as well. Um, I. You know, another thing that we were just talking about then um, in, in one of your early points was around, um, you know, talking about those transferable skills from being an operator and a logistics person mm-hmm. and applying it to cybersecurity. But, um, maybe elaborate on a bit more on that. Like, um, what, you know, what, what, tra- what from an, a defense person, what do you think makes them a good fit in the cybersecurity world? You know, like yeah. if we take, um, if we just take, you know, a, 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 an army corporal or yep. just a generalist um what would what skills and background would they have that you would say leads them well into the cyber security yeah world? look killer question um let me preface this by saying i'm not a huge fan of recruiting cyber nerds um usually because they've got so many battle scars and they they like locking things down that yep. um there's it's not it's, it's a struggle right yeah um so i guess i guess comparing that scenario of a, of a, of a generalist at, with, 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 with a, a, you know a junior nco who's got that um 
the, the, the boots on ground experience who's maybe lends some people who understands how people tick a little bit, but mm. also knows how to carry out orders. Mm. Understands the vulnerability of correct. people. Correct, correct, correct. And understands what it is to to deliver capability and also what's, what it's like to be given a substandard capability and yeah. told, go and do your best. Yeah. So inside of security, fundamentally what it comes down to is putting controls in place to operate a technology in an environment securely. Simple as that. Mm. So if I get a, somebody who's never experienced military life, who's never been on the, the, on the, on the, you know, in a firefight, who's never been a warfighter, who's never put the uniform on, they don't understand what it's like to operate in an austere environment. So cybersecurity guys are brilliant at saying, here's the 100% solution in accordance with the manual. This is what you have to do. Whereas military guys and girls understand that we're not always going to operate in the 1G and cup of tea environment. We're not sitting in an office somewhere where we can take things offline for 24 hours at a time to update. We actually have to balance the operational capability and the outcomes required with the cybersecurity component. So we have to mitigate around some of the controls that can't be implemented. Classic example is putting complex passwords on devices that are meant to be in the cockpit of an aeroplane, right? Like when you're flying with gloves, engines on fire, you don't have time to put in a 20-digit passcode. You need to be able to unlock something straight away. So a military person understands that context, whereas somebody who's never experienced that would just go, well, that's what the control says. That's what we have to implement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you find that in most places, don't you? When, you know, for example, someone's come straight out of university with the textbook, um, you know, question and they're looking for the textbook answer mm. to, to a problem um, and they just can't comprehend, yeah. you know, the real world scenario 100%. on how you deal with that. 100%. Um, and, and clearly, you know, veterans come out with a whole breadth of, ex you know, experiences mm. um, that they can then apply. Apply that image or logic to the solution, the problem that they're facing. Absolutely. Like, for example, right, when you talk about the corporal, they have probably had, you know, five to 10 years of interpreting the second lieutenant's instructions. Yeah. Right. Like, they, oh, not everything is in SMEAC format these yeah. days. So, exactly right. Right. So, I can tell you what the textbook says about mitigating controls, yeah. right, from a cybersecurity perspective, or I can tell you what the textbook says about HR. But until you, no good plan survives the first contact. So Correct, being yeah. able to be agile and adapt and work out what the end state needs to be and reverse engineer that solution, that is a, a key skill that um, you know that, that I believe that all veterans have once they've sort of experienced what it's like to be in a, a less than ideal environment. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, and, and I love your example of the the seven, second lieutenant. Yeah, I'd probably push that a little higher up the chain too. But um, <laughs> but um, careful now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, obviously, cybersecurity is a very rapidly evolving mm. world these days. Um, how do you stay updated? You know, once you are in that that cyber mm. world, how how do you keep yourself um, updated of all the trends and technologies and everything in the industry? I know this is getting a bit more into the yeah yeah, into the, weeds, know, yeah. the role itself, yeah. but you know, I you know from a training company, I'm interested. How do you, how yeah. do you keep yourself abreast of everything? Look, it's. It's really interesting because you can just not and claim that you know cyber. It's kind of fun, right? Yeah, and 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 fake it till you make it. But for me, it's it's about that love of of what you do and and understanding that you got to keep the skills sharp, right? So, for example, a surgeon has to practice what they do, otherwise those skills atrophy. Um, a pilot has to go through training drills every year. In the military, you get drills practiced into you 
constantly to keep those skills sharp. The cyber world is no different, right? So how do I do it? Look, I monitor feeds on LinkedIn. I you know, get cyber updates mm. daily to my inbox. You know, Part of the Australian Computer Society is, is a really cool one, looking from what, what Aspie is doing from an intelligence perspective and then drawing the links between those two. So look, the reality is there's so much tech out there and there's so much intel out there that I'd start blinking one eye at a time if I just tried to peruse it all. Mm. For me... The art is understanding what's relevant to what I'm trying to achieve and what my clients are trying to achieve, doing a little bit of a deep dive, getting that 101, 201 understanding, and then knowing that there's experts out there that I can tap into if I need to delve a little bit further into that as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, you know, I think that's a great point is, you know, really once you know what you want to do as well, um, you know, uh, you then want to sort of start to embed yourself into that culture and, all the reading that involves in it, you know, as an example in the training stuff, you know, we, I'm constantly reading different mm. things around RTOs and training and defense industry and mm. veterans and stuff, because that's the world we want to be in. So, mm. you know, you've then got to really immerse yourself in whatever the literature is in a newspaper articles, um, you know, a, a, and embed yourself in there. I think, I can't remember who it is, but whether, you know, it's it was, um, Tony Robbins or um, uh, one of those motivators are like, you know, if you want to become the expert in your field in something, you know, if you just read one book, um, you know, every every week related to that particular topic, Mm. each week for a year, you'll become the expert in that particular field. So, you know, the next step really is to immerse yourself in in all the literature in the in the. you know, in the field that you want to move into. Oh, and look, just to that point, the art is also knowing what literature you don't need to read. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, for example, in, in, and I'll talk to cyber here, right? Like I need to understand what vulnerabilities are out there and what that means from a mitigating perspective. I don't need to go and read the pen test. I don't need to go and learn how to how to use that vulnerability. I don't need to know how to go and script and code around that. Mm. That's what I have a pen testing team for. Yeah. What I need to do is understand how that impacts my client. So the integrity in understanding what what you are, but also what you're not, is absolutely paramount. Yeah. Look, and I I think that's the other benefit that um, veterans bring to the table is that you know they know that they're not the expert at everything, mm. but you know they know where to go to get the information when they need to go get that information. I think applying that when you leave is is just as important um, as well. Um, so, so maybe just something a, l- a little bit different. So, you know, uh, can you share maybe a memorable experience um, or project from the cyber your cyber career um, that you're particularly proud of or that helped um, your path in this field? Yeah, look, I probably the the highlight for me was doing a bunch of system accreditation documentation, which doesn't sound particularly sexy, I'll be <laughs> honest, but looking at the end client who had no idea what cyber looked or smelled or felt like, mm. and. You know, as as somebody who just entered into the cyber field from looking back as the as a civilian, um, and helping a military organisation, explaining to them and taking them on the journey of well, this is what this document is and this is how it relates. Here, you know, drawing the links between what they were doing, what they needed to be doing, and how we were documenting it to get that entire system accredited to me was really cool, and it was that almost like that watermark moment of going, you know what, I actually kind of know what I'm talking about, right? Like, let's be honest, even today, you go, I've got that imposter syndrome because the field is so rapidly evolving and there are so many different specializations. But 
when you look back at it and you go, actually, I got this system accredited because I was able to generate the documentation, engage with my customer and bring them on the journey. So they did the right things and that's an enduring outcome. That's a really cool feeling, right? So for me, you know, this, this was, I'm talking, you know, three years ago now. And since then there's been a whole gamut of other projects, but to just even just to, to get that feather in the cap to start and get that confidence, that to me was the moment that I went, you know what? I think I've made the right choice. Yeah, look, and I, I think that imposter syndrome thing is something that's pretty pretty real. I mean, I there's probably not a person out there. You talk to any CEO in any unit, a brigadier, you know, running a brigade, or um, you talk to a CEO of a major corporation, down to you know a physio, doctor, whatever. Everybody in their field has some level of imposter syndrome, you know, in themselves going somebody's going to catch me out for doing this. And, mm. and, you know, it doesn't matter how qualified you are or whatever, everybody has that feeling. It's something that you just got to push past. And having those opportunities to succeed, you know, no matter how small they are, mm. every bit helps you erode that that feeling of being an imposter, yeah. um, you know, a, a, as you go through it. It's so important to to have those little wins. But But also on that note, I would argue that as soon as you don't have imposter syndrome or some element of it, should probably hang up the boots, right? Mm. Like, because if I walk into a room and go, I'm the smartest man in the room and everybody must bow to my intellect, yeah, right? Like, I'm not willing to open myself up to other ideas. But if I come in going, you know what? There are other people in here that know more about their domains than I do, and I'm here to listen. That's when you can get that those those glimmers of information, and that's what helps piece together those wins. So, look, I would argue that, yeah, overwhelming imposter syndrome, bad thing. Just a little bit of, of self-doubt to, to keep the skills sharp. You know, that performance arousal curve, right? Like mm. you need to have a little bit of stress in what you're doing to keep yourself sharp. Yep. I'm a big fan of that that little bit of stress and a little bit of imposter syndrome to keep you on your toes and st- still listening and, and trying to learn as much as you can. Yeah, that's right. Like it's so, so true. Like, I mean, you know, you can, you can phrase it as stress. You can you can phrase it as excitement, you yep. know, in, in in my mind, when I, I feel that and I walk in a room and I just, you know, inside my head, I say, yes, you know, it, the symptoms feel like stress. Is this not just excitement? Mm, I'm excited mm. that I'm getting an opportunity. And one day when you're not getting that, well, you know, do you want to live if you're not getting excited That's right. about stuff? So, That's right. so it's just phrasing, you know, um, internally how, how you're feeling in those situations. And I completely agree. You don't want to be numb when you mm-hmm. go into a room. You want to be feeling some level of excitement about what you're doing every day. And that, that makes for a really, really great life. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's natural. Um, well, what, lastly, Ben, I, I might, um, you know, if you could just offer one piece of evidence uh, or encouragement to veterans uh, who are embarking on their journey yep. uh, from service to success, you know, in the cyber industry or other industries, um, what would it be? Look, fundamentally, um, just believe in yourself, right? Like I, I get so many people go, well, how do I get into the cyber game? Well, look, if you cre- if you believe in yourself and you can sell yourself and you believe in your brand, the opportunities will come. Be prepared to take them. Just takes time. Correct. The other side of it is, right, and here's the, 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 it, it's not great news bears, right, which which sucks because I'd love to say everybody can leave and I'll be on 300K a year and, you know, it's a golden waterfall of money. That's not the reality. And, you know, if, if you're leaving service and you don't have a particular background in the field that you're entering in, business decisions need to be made. So if you come in and go, well, I'm a, 
I'm I'm a major. Um, I've never done cyber before. I hold a TSPV clearance. I need to be on 200k a year to meet my current pay packet. Well, you're going to have an, a CEO of an organization or the hiring staff go, well, cool, but you don't have operate. You don't have that the cyber experience. You don't have the cyber qualifications. You you just you're the same as a grad to us. You're a grad with a clearance, which sparks that up a little bit. Mm. So being realistic in what your expectations are. Not everybody's going to get you know, a, a, a bachelor in cybersecurity and walk into a CISO job, right? Not everybody's going to be the lead engineer on a project because they've got a bachelor of engineering. It's about learning to move from the ground up. And I, I got very lucky because I was already a senior role in a company because I was leading, doing the aviation and aerospace stuff. And then the cyber got layered on top. So I had... A, a sort of a dual threat, but you know, as I said, believe in yourself, and if you're willing to understand your value and what you offer to an organisation and speak to that, the opportunities will come. May not be the perfect job straight away, but you'll get there. Yeah, look, I, you know, if I can just echo that as well, and I, I would say, I think it goes to that bit where the first twelve months, you just have to expect that whatever you think that you're going out to do and whatever you're going to do, it'll change. Mm. You know, so. It's okay to be for you know for twelve months as long as the you know um, you know the officer for war and finance is okay with it. Yeah, to course. take a little step backwards because you know y- your your experience and everything else that you've picked up mm-hmm. in defence. Once you've you've fixed those little translation things that you, you you'll learn as you go along in that sure. first twelve months, you'll accelerate ten times faster than anybody else. Yeah. So you know. I, I think it's natural and it's right, and and I did it myself. I took a step backwards in terms of pay, mm-hmm. um, but then you know I, what I found is the years past that we've been able to accelerate much yeah. faster because 100%. you know we we can then have that defence background, which is, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we then have that translation of everything that we're doing, mm-hmm. and we now know where we want to go and where yep. we we know what to sell to, right. to people who we when we're talking to them, we know mm-hmm. where our vision wants to be. Um, and you'll find that you over probably the next five or ten years after you leave, you'll easily make oh, up that loss. Hundred percent. And and look, the other part of it is right that yeah, look, you might you may be at parity or you may take a small pay cut, but you know it, once you start saying oh well, I get medical and dental and 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 housing assistance and all the rest of it, you know what? There's a certain value in knowing who your family GP is, mm. knowing that your physio has seen you for the last five years, and you know if you put a nail in the wall. You're not going to be forced to a posting cycle that you'll never that you'll never get money back for that house. Mm. So there's, you know, the defence life as itself. You know, you get you get the, the military appreciation allowance and all the rest of it. But the reality is that there is conditions of service that you are remunerated for. Mm. And once you get those conditions taken away, and you can work a nine to five, you work your thirty eight hour week. You you can turn your phone off as soon as you're not doing day in one location. Correct. Have correct. Your family and friends or babysitter for your parents come come over and exactly you know, watch the kids and, work. and and lifetime lifelong friends that you you your mm. kids grow up with and all that sort of stuff. There is a, a comfort in that, and I agree. Right, like like loyalty pays as well. So yeah, you'll take it backwards step, but absolutely, your value to a business becomes exponential growth over over a while as you grow that corporate knowledge and and you know you you show that value so it does r- move rapidly but just stepping out of uniform and saying i demand x dollars because i need to ma- match my quality of life it's not comparing apples with apples mm. so being true to yourself and accepting okay well what is the minimum figure that i can you know survive thrive and live on for the next 12 months and if that figure isn't what you're getting in industry you know what 
service life is perfectly acceptable as well. And, you know, a lot of people stay in because they go, you know what? I can't find a better wicket outside and I actually kind of enjoy what I do. Yeah. Happy days. And I, and I, that. And I think that this is a mature conversation to have with people as well. You have, have that real hard thought, you know, um, you know, if, if it's, we're pulling the pin because I'm being moved mm. is very different to I'm pulling the pin because I want to move into a, a new career and stream and do mm-hmm. some other things. And the two are, two are different, mm. but you know, if you want to, if you want to move into your, your dream career where you think you want to head and do something different, you've, yep. you've reached your ceiling rank or whatever, but yep. you want to keep growing, well then pay probably for the first 12 months shouldn't be the, the, the mm. deciding factor there. Yep. If it's because, you know, you're fed up with taking orders or, you know, being moved around or whatever, you know, spend that, spend six months thinking about the decision that you want to do. If you do want to jump out as well and you want to try and get that pay up, you know, as high as possible, start looking at what qualifications, what networks you can start to do. There's nothing wrong with going to events and catching up with people and start building those networks to grow that and start testing, do some work experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we worked nights and weekends and things Mm -hmm. like that as well, you know, out of our own time to try and build um, stuff. So I think, I think they're really, it's a really mature sort of conversation to have when you yeah. come towards the end um, to understand, you know, what you really want when but, you get out. But that also, it, like, as an employer, right, like, that speaks volumes to me because if I had, you know, if Mark Robinson showed up and said, Shep, I want to come do cyber, I went, okay, cool. What's your cyber background? Well, I don't have one. Okay, what have you studied? Well, no, that's on you to tell me what to study then I don't have any faith that you have actually dedicated yourself to that career. Whereas if you roll in, you go, look, I don't have a huge amount of study background or ops background, but I've tried, try hack me. I've downloaded Linux and I can work out what a bash script looks like and, you know, mm. got a little bit nerdy, but I've also studied certified in cybersecurity. I've cert- studied, you know, CompTIA A+. I don't really care too much what you've studied, but if you've shown me that dedication, Hmm. then I know that you're serious about a career in, in, in that and you have shown that bit of sacrifice. To the point previously as well, I just want a little bit of advice that I've given a, a couple of people because they've they've rolled out to me and said, Shep, oh, my mate got out and he's now on quarter of a mil. Oh, cool. I want to make that money. Okay, well, let's let's break that down a little bit here. If you want to be on the big biscuits, right, the, the reality is that you have to take risk. That's all it comes down to. You have to take risk. So the first level of risk is, are you going to go and be a contractor? Because contractors, absolutely, they make make more as a daily rate. But there's also every chance, especially in this post-DSR world, that you get your contract terminated and you're walked off site that day. And it, and it happens to everybody. Correct. It's it's not a that might happen. No, it happens it, to everybody. It, it, it's it a, will it's a way of life. The next risk you have to potentially should take is your investment in study. So you know a master's degree at minimum is about forty thousand dollars, right? So if you've invested in that and you have upskilled yourself to a level that nobody can match your level of expertise, then people are going to pay for your skills because nobody else can replace it, and it's really important. The final one is. Are you going to take professional risk? So as a CEO or a CISO or CTO, COO, anything C-suite, you get paid a lot of money, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. And as we saw with the size of Tradewinds or Solowinds, sorry, they're facing jail time because they didn't do their job appropriately. So what's that level of risk? And if you're not willing to be a contractor, to study or to be a senior leader in an organization and you want to be on the tools and and turn and clock off at, at five o'clock every day and, and not turn your phone on, 
it's you, it's just a really hard business decision to to try and look at what those figures look like. So, as I said, just my advice is look at what risk you are willing to take if you want to make those huge dollars, or if you don't want to make those huge dollars and you want to have a really good quality of life where you're not working or taking risks. Look at what an, an acceptable figure actually is to you, and just own that. Yeah, that's right. And then and then find those other things like the networking, the mm. communication. Start building those before you get out. You're not going to get out and all of a sudden a job's going to land in your lap. Correct. It's, it's going to happen through prolonged sort of plan of how yep. you're going to get there. Um, well, Ben, you know, thank you so much for today. And um, I don't think I have any other questions for you. Is there anything that you particularly want to sort of mention now or, or bits of wisdom that yeah. you want to share um, before we sort of um, clock off here and um, we go catch up for a beer yeah. after? And Beer yeah. sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Well, nothing. Let's go for a bit. No, um, <laughs> look, honestly, look, speaking from personal experience, you're going to get knocked around, right? Simple as that. Whether you're in uniform, whether you're out of uniform, you, you take some knocks. Um, both professionally and personally, right? Like, and and that's just the way it is. And, and your resilience defines who you are and how you bounce back from that will determine how your career shapes. So, you know, understand who you are, understand who you're not, pick what your brand is and pick what your what your value proposition is as as a, as a person as well as a professional. And, you know, live and die by those values because, you know, for me, the most successful people are values-based and they do stand for something. And I find that once people get confused into what they stand for and who they are as a person, they kind of struggle a little bit. So having that pride of, of, of in yourself and being able to back yourself no matter what situation you're in, um, knowing who your resources are, knowing who you can lean on, knowing who's trustworthy, it's a really cool skill to have. So I'd recommend, as you talked about, those networks are great, but also knowing who those confidants are, knowing who your, your your closest network is that you can trust and you can bounce ideas off and seek advice from, that those mentors are such a game changer, especially getting out of uniform. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you very much for today, uh, Ben. And um, if you don't mind, um, you know, if anybody's looking to get into the cybersecurity world and a veteran, um, you know, you're more than happy if people come through us, um, yep. just email us and we'll we'll shoot any emails over to you to make, to make yep. that connection for them. Absolutely. And look, um, I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick the plug for also there's vets in cyber as well so that's a it's a voluntary organization that that some boys are running um really really cool there's some opportunities there as well so happy to put people in the right direction and start steering them but also more than happy to answer any questions people can have excellent all right well thank you everybody uh for listening today um like any other podcast we do if there's anything that you'd like us to cover off uh, in future or if you have any questions about today's um, topic please send through an email to us more than happy to answer and try and support um, any future uh, any future podcasts thanks aimpoint is a registered training organization its code is 45936 you can visit our website at www.aimpoint.edu.au Thank you.